0: Humanity has spread to the stars. We set out like ancient seafarers to explore the limitless ocean of space. But no matter how far we venture into the unknown, the worst monsters are those we bring with us.
1: Hey everybody, I'm Rima.
0: And I'm Sean.
1: And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show Altered Carbon.
0: Today we'll be covering the third episode from Altered Carbon titled In a Lonely Place.
1: Oh, and what a lonely place indeed.
0: Oh yes, <laughs> even in a group of people, you're, you're still alone. And still lonely. alone.
1: I know, I know. That's how it kind of felt for, um, well, probably in a couple instances, but I think def- definitely poor Kovac probably felt a little lone, alone yeah. in that circumstance. So I'm ready to jump into our top five. What do you say?
0: All right, let's do it.
1: Awesome. So I'll kick it off, uh, number five. And, of course, no particular order, but I do have a numbered just for the hell of it. My number five is Patchwork Man.
0: Yes, that was creepy.
1: Wasn't that creepy? So yeah, we start off we've got uh you know, the story that young talk I'm gonna call him talk since that's what his sister was calling him in this episode and how sweet they were. Like what a sweet little brother sister combo that you got going on here. And then they start telling the story about the Patrick man and I'm thinking and I'm thinking, Oh, well, okay, it's a little dark. You know, there's some if you really look at some of the children's stories, there's a lot of them are pretty doom and gloom, right? Um, Like Hansel and Gretel. I mean, hell, the witch that eats the kids. I mean, that's kind of a doom and gloom, you know, kind of gory, dark story. Um, So I thought, okay, it's not too bad. But then man, talk about a dark twist. This, This story, this dude, this patchwork man, you know, like killed the kids. And then he built this patchwork man. And this patchwork man is like Frankenstein, basically, you know, goes crazy on his creator and then hunts down kids to rip them apart so he can sew them to himself because he's falling apart.
0: (laughs) Well, it's a very like uber, like I got like a grim fairy tale starting off and it just, I know like some of the regular, like the actual grim fairy tales are super, super like creepy.
1: mm -hmm. Yes.
0: You know, we have like, I think I was probably told like the... You know, more kid-friendly versions of Hansel and Gretel and everything like that. But you read the actual stories, and they are not pleasant whatsoever.
1: Exactly right. Yeah if you if you read the true stories, not the the uh, dolled-up versions, then yeah, they're pretty doom and gloom, and it feels like that was definitely you know, a, a very doom and gloom and, and very gory. I mean, it was pretty gory the way, because you know how it got kind of animated, you know, with the character from the book as they're telling the story and stuff. And I thought, dang, you know, that's, like I said, I'm okay with a little bit of a dark, you know, twisted fairy tale, but that, that was, that was something. So. I just thought that was kind of interesting and I thought that, you know, talk and his sister, they're talking and they're like, you know, we face the monsters together and I thought, well, so I wonder what monsters they're talking about. We got a little bit of a glimpse of something happening in their household, um, looked to be their mother um, and some really bad guy. And then, uh, you know, we saw some bad people in this episode. I think some of the uh, meths in the story that we saw later on in this episode was, uh, I think some of those folks were, you could consider them monsters. So, I don't know. That's my number five was Patchwork Man and that whole story and how it relates to this episode.
0: I don't know if you caught with that. Did you see at the very end when he was being drugged, Kovac was, the the guy that with the beard? Mm -hmm. for a moment he kind of like turned into patchwork man
1: yeah like he was like kovac was kind of hallucinating him as being patchwork man yeah
0: yeah but in this world we know that that. like you know even if you're in a different sleeve like you you can keep going so i wonder if i wonder what this patchwork is going to be because it came out of nowhere you Mm -hmm. know they booked in it on this episode which was really interesting but you know this is definitely when kovac was younger and, and again in this world like your past demons don't stay in the past. Like, they, they can come back, and that's what I'm kind of wondering if we're seeing some of that here.
1: I think you're right. I think we're right. I think we're going to see more and more. We seem to get little pieces each episode, and um, I think you're right. So, yeah, good insight. That's my number five. What's your number five? All
0: right, so my number five I call Sugar Skull Season. So there's a little <laughs> bit of this kind of, like, like advertising going on. I'm like, Sugar Skull Season. Like, this is really weird. And you see this guy handing out this candy. And I still don't really have a quite understanding of what was going on there. Like, I don't know if it was food or if, it, if Chick or Skull had anything to do with it. But at this point, Kovac and his partner got to go on a shopping spree of, like, all kinds of goodies. Mm-hmm. And as him and his buddy show up, you know, the, the salesman is like, yeah, you know, I'm not selling anything to your broke ass. But we learn <laughs> with a swipe of a finger, Kovac is a Burr level.
1: He's got it going on. It's like unlimited. Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) Anything and everything. So it's like, yeah, take me to the special store. So he gets to go in here and look at all these goodies. You know, he tries to sell them the crappy stuff at first and it's like, no, no, no. I want the good stuff. So we get to see some knives, some poison knives. We get a gun that reloads itself. Uh, And we kind of learn as the story's going on, you know, Kovac is kind of flashing back to when him and his, I guess it might've been his sister at this point, I'm not sure, but the girl he was training with, with Mm -hmm. all the other envoys, and she's really starting to like say like, hey, you need to have a pack. There's going to be sacrifices, but you need to create a pack. Right. And he kind of is like eyeing the salesman and eyeing his buddy. And it's kind of like, okay, is this the start of his pack? Is is he getting ready to start like his revolution here Mm
1: -hmm. inside of
0: this new world?
1: Yeah, I think that was Falconer. That's that uh, Kelcrest Falconer that trained him, right? Wasn't she, like, head of the envoys or trade, trained the envoys or something?
0: That's what it looked like. Yeah, I'm not sure. Because yeah. uh, I know he, like, talked about it. Oh, no, I guess his sister's the person we saw in the first episode. We haven't seen since. So, yeah, it's probably some, probably right. another envoy he trained with.
1: Mm-hmm. But she was
0: bad at it. She was telling, like, hey, the weapon isn't what you need. And she was fighting these dudes with guns and knives. And the badass moment when the dude chucks the knife at her and she doesn't even oh look and gosh. catches it and finishes her speech is like, oh, man, this is a chick you do not want to mess with.
1: Right? She was so badass. Like, uh, you know, I th- – w- oh, and I can't remember her exact line, but what she's like, you know, the, sl- the sleeve does not control me. You know, she uses it like it's like a tool. Yeah i mean holy it's it's almost like the line uh from rogue one you know the force is with me i am one with the force (laughs) that's what it reminded me of a little bit that mantra
0: (laughs) but i really like kind of getting to see like you know there he you kind of see him building like you know he's here for a reason like you know i think he took this job not just to make money or anything like that i think he's got a bigger plan and we're gonna start to see that develop over time because he's starting to you know find people he's got you know the guy, Lizzie's dad. He's working with. There's Poe. There's uh, I think the salesman. Maybe he'll start getting in, in with. There's mm-hmm. uh, Ortega. You know he's starting to kind of like pick these pieces. Like he's picking his uh, his uh, you know uh, party for like D and D. Like he's like, all right, you're gonna do this. You're gonna do this. We're gonna we're gonna go and fight the boss and win this battle.
1: Nice D and D reference.
0: Yeah, but it all kind of falls under this. Like I don't know what it is, but it's the sugar skull season.
1: <laughs> I like it. I think that that should be that could be a good uh, name of a band or something.
0: Oh yeah, I like that or or, a album title.
1: Mm, Oh yeah, good album title. Uh, A good album title is key, you know. Um, All good thoughts. Yeah, I don't know. I agree with you. I thought the same things. I thought it was really interesting how we got to see pieces of his training with Falconer and how she, of course, we got to see even more of how a total badass she is, and you know, she's taken down all these guys. I mean, these guys you know are clearly badasses in their own right and she's able to just like they're nothing. And so that was pretty cool, but yeah, the hearing the words that she was talking about about building a pack and even if they're going to be expendable. Like you need to somehow make these people loyal to you but know that they're expendable, that you're probably going to lose them and you can't care about them. You know, you want to inspire loyalty but you can't care about them because you're probably going to lose them. So I thought that was really interesting good thoughts. Um, my number four is, and I, I talk about him a lot and I can't help it cause I really like his character and that's Poe. Um, I really dig his character. He's got this lovely old world character about him, like with his speech and his mannerisms and he really sees himself like a true gentleman and host, but yet he's AI and he's got this amazing capability to just upload, um, you know, this ability and and get this licensure to be a therapist mm-hmm. that will help him treat Lizzie, uh, you know, that poor tortured soul that's caught in this traumatic loop in digital form. It's like the worst, like the worst point of PTSD forever. It's like she's stuck in this endless loop of this this torture of what has happened to her. And, you know, he's a, and I just love his character. I love how loyal he is to Kovach. It's like without question, it's like, you're my guest, I'm loyal to you. And he has this, you know, um, he's, he, he loves humans and he's fascinated by them. So, you know, he, you know, kind of uses, I think Kovach is like, you know, to learn about humans and, you know, because he loves humans or admires or respects them you know, he has this uh, relationship with him and I, I like this one line, like in the beginning when he, um, how he delicately states that the footage in reference to Kovach with um, having sex with uh, that Marion Bancroft, how he's like, you know, there was footage taken, you know, <laughs> and, and then it's, it's cut to the scene where Kovach is having sex with Marion Bancroft and it's like, that's a delicate way of putting things that, you know, that there was footage taken. <laughs> um how he greets Vernon Elliott when he comes to the hotel you know um i just i love him i love how he speaks i love how he's got this old world style about him but clearly we're not in any old type of world but he holds those qualities and he's you know i just love that about him i love that um kind of contradiction that he's ai but yeah he has this old world style to him and i love it i love how he talks i love his mannerisms and i could and I'm always fascinated with Edgar Allan Poe, and I know he's kind of inspired by that. So that's my number four.
0: Yep, Poe that, that ties into my number two. Poe was was I kind of like wingman Poe is what I was kind of calling him because we, yeah. we we talked about last week. We we said he was going to have a, a guest with him to this party, and mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be Poe somehow. Yeah, but, you know, we learned that Poe can't do this.
1: Right? Yeah, he can't leave the hotel.
0: Yep, and it's cool because like as we're having this conversation, Poe's like, "I'm your esteemed colleague." Um, I'm your friend. I'm your partner. <laughs> um and also we kinda get some fun stuff where like he just appears behind him or at random places, so he's kinda like mm-hmm. sneaking up on him, which uh Kovac is kinda like, Yeah, dude, stop doing that. Like it's freaking <laughs> me out. <laughs> they
1: but, had some fun interactions.
0: But it is interesting because when when the fact that like they bring in Lizzie, it's one of those things like Kovac says, like, hey, he's a guest, she's a guest now. Poe's gonna do all he can to take care of her. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I thought was interesting is as Poe was kind of doing his magic, she was going through this kind of like just the speech like his first time uh, she's talked in a long time. It sounded like mm-hmm. but it was like uh, she said something effective. She took my mom because she stole stars from the sky. She has icicles in her hair, which was just really, really like, you know. Yeah. Reminds me a lot of uh, River and Firefly where she would just kind of talk in rhymes and riddles.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right.
0: Uh, let's see. I'm trying to see what other notes I had with with Poe that you didn't touch on. Um,
1: he's just a great character. I, I really like buddy. him.
0: Yeah, I love that. I mean, he's going to be kind of interesting in this. You know, it, it is the fact that he's kind of like trapped in this one spot. Mm-hmm. But you know, like you said, like whenever somebody's you know becomes the guest, he takes full care of them. And you know, I, I'm looking for the pieces. Like, why did he choose the character of Poe? You know, that, yeah. that seems to you know have some kind of it seems like it should have some kind of uh meaning at the end of this season.
1: Yeah, I'm hoping, I mean I know that he's not like a flesh and blood kind of character, but I feel like he's just as developed or beginning to develop as much as you know Kovach and we're getting to know Vernon Elliott a little bit more and getting some exposure to him so you know and I'm fascinated by him so AI or not I think he's he's pretty cool and I hope we get to learn a little bit more I think there is more to learn I mean we had the last episode with the the poker scene you know with him and his fellow AI you know uh, people so I think there's definitely more to learn there so yep I hope so
0: so yeah, my, that kind of tied into your number four was just my number two. Cool. Well, what's but, your number four? So my number four, I've titled The Secret Room. So Ooh. we're at this fancy party and Kovac sees Mrs. Bancroft, or he thinks it's Mrs. Bancroft.
1: Oh, and he man. walks up.
0: And point number one, if you have a secret room with a secret door and it scratches the floor... That is mm-hmm. some shitty craftsmanship. Like, I want to find out who made this door. I mean, I understand, like, houses can shift. And, I mean, if you're up sure. that high, like, I'm sure stuff can happen. But you got to fix that. You can't have scratches to show off where your secret door is.
1: Yeah, that was a tell. That's for sure.
0: But, you know, as he walks back in there, it's like, I don't know if this was jealousy on his part, but he sees what he thinks as Mrs. Bancroft getting pounded by, a, <laughs> I guess, a security guard and, uh, you know, Stops at mid, you know, action. He walks away, but he finds out, and I don't know how he got this. Like this is pretty, pretty interesting that he could tell that this was not the Bancroft he was banging, because he asks her like, you know, what was my name, and she couldn't name it. And we find out that this is the twelfth daughter of the Bancroft, mm, and Naomi. Sh- yeah, and she's taking uh, her mom's sleeve out for a test drive, which a is very, very creepy.
1: Isn't that weird?
0: I mean, I. And the thing is, is like we saw Bancroft kissing. I don't know. It was just on the cheek, I think. So I don't know if Mrs. Bancroft, actual Mrs. Bancroft, was here, or if because of what she did with Kovac, if she was kind of like on, you know, like a timeout, like she was out of her sleeve, sitting on, you know, ice for a little bit until, you know, Mr. Bancroft is like, okay, you've you've learned your lesson.
1: Yeah, that whole thing was weird because I I thought that we had in the beginning, or at least when Kovac, when we first see. Uh, Miriam Bancroft, whenever Kovach arrives to this party, if you want to call it that, um, dinner party, whatever it is, banquet, um, it seemed to—I mean, she interacted like she knew— Uh, like who who Kovac was and their interaction that they had together. Like she seemed to know what he was talking about, unless she was totally faking it, that that wasn't her the whole time. I don't know. Very weird. Was it really her? But I thought that he knew she was missing because all of a sudden she was there. And then there was another her. I don't know. I was, I was a little bit confused by that. Like, was it, was there one of them or two of them at that party in the same Type of sleeve because they we know that they have clones of of their sleeves so there could be multiples of that Miriam Bancroft you know running around which is his point whenever he was interrogating Naomi he's like you know your dad was shot by this gun that's kept in a safe that only uh, your dad and and your mother can access so if you are in her sleeve then you'd be able to access it and she brushes him off like nope that's not gonna happen it's in my father's will that we get nothing. Um,
0: yeah which so I, I thought know. was real that's like a very big tell because it's like oh okay well it must have been somebody in the family because there's money involved it's like yeah you mm-hmm. know what if that happens we get nothing we essentially yeah. are kids right now we are kids under our dad's thumb because we get absolutely nothing and the only way we get anything is by basically being kids for our entire lives which is creepy in its own mind like you're not letting your kids grow up to that, to that point
1: yeah it is really weird Uh, I just found the the whole thing strange as they were talking about that and the kids not being able to grow up. She herself was 67 years old. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that being in your mom's sleeve, I I just don't know how. I think it would be very strange in of itself to wake up in a different sleeve. Like at least they have clones of each other that if they die or wear out or whatever, they can just go get uploaded. And re-sleeved into their own recognizable sleeves. Um, but to And then some folks like Kovach, you know, clearly that's not his original sleeve. He wakes up and he sees someone who he doesn't know in the mirror. But think about if you were your parent. Think if you look in that reflection and you see your parent. How weird is that?
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's definitely something like, even if I did wake up that, like I wouldn't want to have sex in that sleeve. Like I'm wearing as many clothes I'm holding everything and not going to the bathroom. Like I don't want to see anything.
1: No, get me out of here is what I'd be saying. Get me out of here. I mean, if they have clones of their parents, why don't the kids have their own clones either? Why don't they, why don't they pay for nice sleeves? Like we saw at the Was it uh, that company that psychocelic, whatever it was that we saw last week, where their clones were housed and uh, taken care of? You know, surely their children, if they're not clones, wouldn't they have a pick of the litter of sleeves to be, um, you know, uploaded back into or something? Why in the world would you want? Because she's talking about, oh, well, why wouldn't I want to be in my mother's sleeve? You know, it's her clones are prime. Well, because it's your mother. Maybe that's why you wouldn't want
0: But I think that probably goes back to the whole idea about like the bodies are nothing in this, like even they kind of mentioned like there's no real concern for life it's true, and so I think it's like, oh yeah, that's my mom's body, but I've lived for three hundred years, so I really don't care like it's it's just what it is
1: that's true, I guess in this particular world and in this futuristic world, they don't think like that, and that is definitely our interpretation and how we see things, but Man, I just don't think it. no matter what world you're living in, I, I don't want to be in my mom's body, real or not. Yeah, I agree. Weird. <laughs> but yeah, that's really good. Anything else on your number four?
0: Nope, that pretty much ties. My number one is the secret room.
1: The secret room. Should have been like the red room, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, so number three, I have Ortega. So she... You know, she she was getting on my nerves first couple of episodes, I'll admit. You know, there were some things about her that I found intriguing, and I think that she's a total badass and stuff, but she was kind of getting on my nerves with her attitude. and I was going, like, geez, already. This episode, I really kind of liked her, but I was really kind of intrigued with her because I'm like, what is her beef with Bancroft? You know, she seems to really have it out for him, and not just in like a, well, I just hate rich people kind of way, um, which you can tell that she kind of does. You know, she you can tell that she's kind of has this general distaste for rich people you know when she gets called into her captain's office saying that she has to attend this party which she has absolutely no interest in going to and she gets mad when she realizes you know that this uh license or this permit has been accepted within just a couple of hours and she you know pushes it aside and says fucking meth bullshit you know um you know, so she she clearly has something against, you know, it seems like rich people in general. And I'm, you know, and then Bancroft asks for her specifically, you know, so it's like they have a thing. And I'm just wondering what is the heart of, of this thing between these two? It's like you can clearly see a banter between them. Um, so I think she's, you know, it's like, does she want to see all the myths kind of answer to justice? Because we kind of see the brutality of how far they go in their world and their circle and how they can just kind of get away with anything because they're the rich and the powerful and the elite of this world. And, you know, they can just pretty much get away with almost anything. And, you know, so I'm just, I'm curious, you know, exactly what her thing is with Bancroft, what it is between them two. And I'm hoping we get to see maybe a little bit more into that. Any thoughts on that one?
0: No, I mean, she, I mean, she definitely had a lot of cool stuff in here and and you kind of see her stand up. She, I don't know, she has like morality and I think that's when you can Mm kind of tell somebody who's young. Um, So it seems like she's probably like her age, like she's in her original sleeve uh, and her mom has a whole like religious aspect to it. So I kind of feel like that's probably the case. And I think one of the lines that she said that really kind of stuck with me is like, the longer you live, the border you get. Yeah. So it's kind of like, well, I've seen and done all these things. So how far can I take this? Mm -hmm. which is kind of eye-opening in a human, like a human question because, you know, we all, you know, most of us lived, you know, you know, with luck and all kinds of things, you know, doing our seventies or eighties. And, you know, by the time you get to that age, there's not a lot you can do just because of, you know, the process of aging. Right. But I mean, in this world where you could be 25 to 30 for hundreds of years, I I could understand like, you'd be like, well, I'm bored with the normal stuff. So I'm going to sit here. I'm going to eat a tiger you know, I'm gonna find an endangered mm. animal and eat that because why not? You know, I'm gonna live for hundred years. I've had duck, I've had duck and turkey. You know, I had octopus once. I had calamari. That was pretty adventurous. Let's try tiger. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's you know she she just has a, a, a way about her that she doesn't see that or she kind of thinks just like very down on these people and mm-hmm. like there's the other thing where she, you know she got invited to this party to watch this fight. You know, be the the officer to. You know kind of keep an eye on this and they says like oh well make sure you go up there you know just kiss the ring and go forward and so a lot of people complain about like society now that's very split between you know the haves and have nots i mean mm-hmm. this world there's definitely a hierarchy like the people living above the clouds like they have all the money and everything and everybody down below practically living on bridges
1: yeah you know? there's there's a very it seems like a very clear line drawn in this world, like you said, there's the people, the grounders, are low lives and not rich, and anyone above the clouds, that line there, is rich and powerful and elite and pretty much get away with anything. It seems like she's just kind of fed up with the injustice of things,
0: which I can understand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, at least like now, you know, you could rise up to have somebody, and there actually, I guess they have somebody in here who had a finder's fee for Kovacs, who was trying to rise up the ranks and become one of the clouds.
1: Yeah, that was interesting. Interesting little piece of information. So that anyway, that was my number three. What do you have for your number three?
0: Well, that ties a little bit to my number three, and it's this organic damage. So we learned mm. that the event of the night, besides the tiger tartar, uh, tar, <laughs> is this fight that they're going to put on. And Ortega's the one who's kind of watching. Cause I guess they have police officers watch when this stuff happens just to keep an eye on everything. Mm-hmm. And we learn that this organic fight, you know, they're talking to him and it's a married couple. So it's a man and a female, uh, sleeve that are going to fight each other. And I guess the way these fights work, the two fight to the death, whoever wins ends up getting an upgraded sleeve and whoever loses gets a downgraded sleeve. And this married couple, I guess that's what they do. That's, you know, mom and dad are going to work kids. We're going to come back probably in different bodies. And, like, you think about, like, how fucked up that would be because, you know, when Kovac and Ortega are talking to him, they're like, wait, you have kids? Like, yeah, two, a boy and a girl. Well, they're used, like, what do they think about when you come home in different sleeves? Like, oh, well, they're used to it. And the next question they're asking is, like, well, what age are they? Five and seven. And simultaneously, <laughs> Ortega then was like, oh, yeah, they're not used to it. Which no. is, I mean, <laughs> you know, I think about that, like, you know, if, if you're that age, like, you're very much kind of like getting into routines. If somebody's showing up differently once a week, like how would you process that? Because mannerisms would be about the same, but it's a different voice. It's a different person. You know, it's completely just not what you're used to. I mean like kids like, you know, I have a kid who's just about two. And if somebody comes over that he doesn't know, he's a little standoffish. He's like, whoa, wait a second. Like, I don't know who you are. Even like people, he does know if they haven't been around for a couple months, it's like, whoa, wait, who are you again? Oh, okay. You're okay. All right. Well, I'll hang out with you then after an hour of you know hiding in the corner. I can't
1: even imagine how that would affect your children. I remember this story that you were telling about your son reminds me of a story of when my daughter was really little. She was like one and a half, almost two years old. And her dad... Um, always had like a goatee and mustache. Oh, yes. um, For as long as what she had remembered, you know, and that's the face that she knew. And she's still really little. She's just a toddler running around. And one time he decided, and she's like one and a half, almost two years old. One time he just decided, I'm just going to shave my facial hair. And so he... Uh, we're in, me and her are in the other room. We're like in the living room kitchen. We're just kind of playing. It's just in the evening, five, six o'clock or something in the evening. And we're just kind of playing and stuff. And he goes in the bathroom and does a shower and he, he's in there shaving and the door is shut the entire time. Like she, she just knows dad's in the shower, right? Or he's in the bathroom. And then he and I know he's doing this by the way but so we're like oh what's this going to be like and he opens up the door and she turns around because we're kind of in the hallway to the bathroom and he opens up the door and he's got this clean shaven face and she turns around all excited because she's wanting her dad she's wanting she knows dad's home and she wants to you know hang out with her dad and she's all excited so she turns around with this excited face knowing that dad's out of the bathroom and she's ready to play she catches a look at her dad's face and just bursts into tears and comes running to me like a stranger just came out of that bathroom like she was devastated like who is this stranger in my house because she was kind of stand like you know you said of your son kind of stand off of of strangers and um you know she would always stick really close to us when we would be out in public somewhere so she you know she didn't warm up to people right away so she thought there was a stranger coming out of the bathroom and she didn't even recognize her dad and all he did was just (laughs) shave.
0: I've seen great. videos of that like the dad holds up like a towel and The kid's like oh dad and he pulls it down After he's been shaved and the kid's like No <laughs> yes. So before Tiff and I left for our trip um, I shaved my beard just to have Like a chin goatee and mm-hmm. I was Super concerned that Jacoby would do that He didn't like he still recognized me which was good Because it would have oh, broken my heart to leave And Like my kid doesn't even like know Like you who just I am.
1: traumatized your child <laughs> Bye we're going on vacation
0: <laughs> <laughs> Oh man but I mean, so beyond the kid thing, like, so they start this fight and they put them in this like anti-gravity cage. Yeah, and that was wicked, like I, a
1: Thunderdome, yeah. uh, no gravity Thunderdome or something. <laughs> and these
0: two are going like hardcore going at it, like punches, you know, elbows there. Uh, I don't know if you ever been to like SeaWorld or any place where there's like aquatic events, but there was a splash zone where mm-hmm. they just sprayed blood over the audience And then the audience licked it, which, again, kind of goes to, like, the whole tiger-eating thing, which is just kind of weird. Yes. But as we get this going, you know, Kovacs is kind of, like, not into this. He thinks it's very barbaric. I think he kind of gets the idea that uh, Bancroft is kind of doing this to put him in his place. And Bancroft ups the ante and knocks the Envoy in. So it's the Envoy versus the married couple. And it's a pretty short battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we get Ortega who's like, no, this isn't right. Like he doesn't have the papers. Cause apparently in this world, just like if you have sanctioned fights, like in Las Vegas, you have to have like the, whatever boxing committee has to say, like, Hey, these two can punch each other in the face.
1: Right. Yeah. Y'all so, can beat the hell out of each other. Yeah.
0: And so that's what they're doing here. And he's like, Oh wait, that, that envoy doesn't have his papers and Bancroft, you know, high rollers like, Oh, it must've just been a, you know, clerical mistake. You know, I'm sure it's, you know, we'll be all cleared up by, money and credits
1: mm-hmm. oh and he's my property anyway
0: yes and this is the first time where he's really kind of like like oh i don't care like he's like i own him i think this was after yeah. the fact where he uh where they showed uh the um unique things that they brought he said i have the last envoy mm-hmm. Uh, but we get i, I kind of co- compare this like wrestling so these two are having this like you know two-on-one battle royal handicap match, and here comes the disqualification from the outside as Ortega shoots whatever the uh, machine was to knock it down. But, you know, as Kovacs and Ben Crofter kind of have this dick-showing contest in this this situation, (laughs) Kovacs has the best line as, you know, the two married couple. Because, unfortunately for them, like, I'm sure they have no money. Like, they're doing this, like, no, like, it kind of reminds me of maybe, like, boxing back in the early 20s. Like Mm -hmm. a lot more poor like people box because it was like, hey, this is a way for us to make money for our family. I'm good at this fighting thing. So let me do that. Mm -hmm. And this is very similar to what these two are doing. They're probably a little bit poor because they kind of mentioned they don't have enough money for sleeves. So they, they basically put themselves out there to do these battles and they earn money and they earn new sleeves. And as the the fight ends, neither one of them dies, and there's this, like, huge emotional moment between the two where she's like, you know, his sleeve is messed up because he broke his leg. She's like, I don't have enough money. Like, we can't fix this. And Kovac kind of has the the mic drop moment where he just chucks the knife, kills him, and looks up at Kovac, who's up a little bit higher, says, yeah, just give him my earnings and give him both upgraded sleeves. And in front of this whole crowd of people, like, you're not going to go back on your word, are you? Right. I was like, ah, dude, you just, like,
1: Booyah! Yeah,
0: (laughs) but I feel like you know we've seen a little bit of this whenever they talked about organic fights in I think episode one, but we got to see it firsthand. And again, it just shows how very like barbaric and how there's no care for like sleeves, especially sleeves that aren't you know the the upper cloud people. So it's you know I'm interested to see where all this kind of you know like what other like hierarchical things are we seeing in this universe?
1: Yeah, we're definitely getting a good. Good taste of it. That's a really good number. um, Was that number three, Um, or your number two? But that that ties. Okay, that ties in uh, because that was my number one. Was the evening's entertainment. I mean, you're right. That it was so brutal. I mean, I I'm a fan of action, so I'm not. You know, I I can sit there and I can watch action and people getting punched and you know stabbed and kicked and and these type of like hand hand on hand or, 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 you know, uh, combat of kind of fighting here. And, you know, it, it doesn't eke me out. I'm not, I'm not like, a, a, you know, Ooh, that's gross kind of thing. I'm okay with that. I like action and fighting and stuff, you know, in movies you know, for entertainment value anyway. Um, but this was kind of hard to watch. I mean, They got really brutal. This this uh, spouse, these spouses, you know that. And not only were they married and spouses, but they actually like loved each other. Like it wasn't like, oh well, I hate you, so now I get to punch your face. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I mean, I think. (laughs) Come on, if you've ever been married, don't you just at one time in your life, just for just for a tiny little second, want to punch your spouse in the face? Just a little bit, maybe. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's probably why I'm not married anymore. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but I mean, it's like they love each other, so it's it. I don't know if that added to the brutality to see that these two people that actually love each other and care about each other fight so brutal with each other. Like that dude had his wife pinned against yeah. the side there and just kept like punching her.
0: I was waiting it's, for like a, a Kirby type of situation where he used the bar and like just. And like right in front of Kovacs too. Yeah. And, it, and I, it's just, it's va- it's one of those things where you're like, oh, uh, what's the, there's a new uh, Marvel movie coming out where I think it's, no, it's not New Mutants. Maybe it is New Mutants. Mm-hmm. Ba- but basically, where like these kids like walk down into their parents' basement and find out they're doing like this ritual sacrifice. Mm-hmm. You know, that's equivalent to like what's going on here is like, holy shit, like this is like wealthy, well to do people doing like these most sadistic things in the world because it's like, well, we're bored. What else can we do with our money and our endless life?
1: I know. Uh and that I think was because I'm sitting I remember sitting here watching the episode and I'm kind of like going, you know, I'm kind of cringing at a couple scenes watching them, you know, how brutal they are with each other, you know, Knowing that they're a loving couple, they're not just strangers. They're not just paid fighters, like like you mentioned, the boxers and stuff. They're not paid. Well, they're they're kind of getting paid, but it's it's just a very different situation. And I'm sitting here kind of cringing. And then you see the sheer joy that you mentioned from the crowd. Um, it it reminded me a lot of like ancient Roman times and gladiators at the Colosseum. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know how the mob was like cheering on for the, these two people to just absolutely slaughter each other and be so brutal and gory and bloody you know they had blood splashed on them and they're like oh ha 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 it's like you said it's like they're they've lived so long it's um what did uh ortega say at the end you know it's like they've lived so long and i know you mentioned it earlier that they're bored it's like they've seen it all they've done it all now they're at these kinds of extremes for entertainment because everything else bores them and um it's just, it's just very interesting. So that kind of tied into my number one a little bit. But ugh, I so, hope I never get that bored. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's always like one of those things like you think about if you were in this world, like I just want to play all the new video games. You know, like if I have an endless life, like I want to eat. I don't want to eat tiger, but I'd be okay with like eating other like really good foods. Mm-hmm. Actually, honestly, I just eat pizza. Like I just eat all kinds of pizza because I never get tired of pizza.
1: Never. If I live forever, that's all I want to eat. Yeah.
0: yeah, There's plenty of pizza restaurants in this world. Like, I don't think I could get bored.
1: No, just give me some good pizza, some good Chicago style pizza.
0: Oh yeah, Giordano's. Oh, have you oh, ever had my Giordano's? God.
1: Yes, I've had oh. Giordano's.
0: It's basically like a pie crust with like cheese and sauce and like I got a sausage one there, like sausage pizza once. It's like two pieces of sausage on the whole pizza. Rest was cheese and sauce. Just
1: doesn't even matter. It's, it's, uh, a, it's a genuine, real-life uh, Chicago-style pizza, yeah. Giordano's in Chicago, and then they opened one in—it's um, uh, not real close to me, but my work area is—they they opened one up close to my work, so whenever I travel up to the office, oh, um, nice. they opened one there, and I about died. I thought, are you kidding me? Um, you can get so, it yeah. uh,
0: mailed to you. They'll freeze-dry it, I think, and mail it to you. Or put it on, like, a frozen—or what's it? Dry ice, and they'll send it to you.
1: Oh, my God. Sean, why'd you tell me that? Yeah. Now we're in trouble. (laughs) All right. All right. Golly. Okay. Well, we know what I'm doing after the show, right? (laughs) Some online ordering of pizza. Forget the shoes. Forget the clothes. We're doing pizza. (laughs) I have
0: pizza for 100
1: years. (laughs) Oh, I'm going to live forever in the pizza to go along with it. That's awesome. Okay. So let's move on. My number two. So my number 2 is just in general kind of the theme that I was seeing throughout the this episode was the ties that bind. And I I just noticed some like common uh, bonds that were forming throughout the episode. You know, we had Kovach and Ortega and clearly even only we're only 3 episodes into the series and clearly there's no love loss between these two. Um, but they seem to ha- find some kind of common ground in this episode because they both really share disdain for the myths and their way of life. So they kind of have like this, you see like this little bit of begrudging respect kind of form between the two of them. It's like, yeah, I don't like you. You don't like me. But, you know, hey, we both hate these guys. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you have that kind of thing. And then we have Kovach and Vernon Elliot. You know, both of them are soldiers, so they kind of have this commonality together and similar you know type of life. Um, and they've come together i I found that really interesting, you know, um, Kovach reaching out to Vernon Elliot, and uh you know I was really glad to see him too, because I, I thought he was kind of interesting, so I'm glad that we get we get to see more of him. and then, of course, Kovach and Poe, we talked a little bit about them, how they're kind of working together, whether Kovach wants it or not you know poe is determined to somewhat yeah. be his sidekick you know in some sort of limited capacity and help him whether kovach wants his help or not so um i just really loved how we were seeing um, and kind of like what we talked about in the beginning where falconer's talking about forming your pack and it seems that's kind of like what's happening a little bit um you know you're kind of seeing the the small ties to that and i thought that was kind of interesting
0: Cool. And so just my number two is kind of Poe, which we already talked on. But Mm. uh, just kind of what you mentioned a little bit, like I'm kind of curious where uh, Ortega kind of told him, like, whenever you go into these A.I. places, they become like uh, stalkers. So I'm wondering if we're going to see like Poe become like basically like single white female movie on uh, a a Kovacs. (laughs) He's going to walk in and Poe is going to be with Mrs. Bancroft. (laughs) Uh, but yeah that my my number two I kind of talked about a little bit already was just Poe
1: awesome well and that leaves us down to number one and I pretty much talked about my number one already because that was the evenings entertainment which I think you know we we covered pretty well and it was not just hard to watch but kind of hard to talk about a little bit Um, so I don't have anything else to say about that unless you do and if not no it was your number one I
0: will jump into my number one and I titled this a bros before hoes oh. because Bancroft, as we find out, had a very clear eye, a very good understanding of what happened at the Raven. And he <laughs> yep. definitely kind of laid it out there to Kovac is like, listen, don't fuck my wife. <laughs> and he very quickly puts it in because we find out like even Kovac kind of approached him as like, well, you know what? You kill prostitutes. And he's mm-hmm. like, yes, I've done a lot of things. And he starts listing off like these very immoral things, like how he bets. How I think it said mm-hmm. something about like knife fights.
1: Yeah, I don't I, know what that is, but I, yeah, maybe I we'll see it.
0: I don't know if he was in knife fights or if he like bets on knife fights. Um, but he talks about like his basis, like his desire of the flesh. And, you know, Kovacs tastes like, wait, so you don't – you love your wife too much to have sex to – well, I got to do this justice because it was pretty <laughs>
1: – It was a really good – Yeah. Yeah.
0: Kovac is basically like, so you love your wife so much that you won't fuck her? And he's like, well, I love my wife that I won't let you fuck her.
1: <laughs> right. That was a good line.
0: <laughs> yes, it was. Um, I, liked it. I mean, it was a very quick scene, but it was a, a situation of, you know, I don't know if you've ever had this happen in real life, but it's definitely a situation where, like, Kovacs had to be like, he's fucking with me. Like, he knows. I know that he knows that I know Mm -hmm. kind of situation. And, you know, he throws Kovac into that battle. It's kind of like, if he dies, so what? He fucked my wife, so he deserves it. Yeah. That's his property. Yeah, and I wonder, like, how many situations, like, because he kind of comes out that his wife is very promiscuous, so it's or at least has been in the past.
1: Mm -hmm. He knows his wife very well.
0: So I wonder, like, obviously this is the first time she's kind of found some other dude to, you know, Show her what's up, um. And, but and again, it sounds like how long have these two not been like intimate with each other? Which was kind of intriguing to me as well, because it goes back to the whole idea of like you live too long, you start to get bored.
1: I mean, after like they've been married. I guess like over a hundred (laughs) years.
0: He's like, babe, it's the 170 hitch. I got to go get some strange.
1: Yeah. It's well, and it's like, they're kind of, I mean, how much can you be with one person over and over and over again? You know, um, (sighs) So, yeah, they're probably – it's like they still seem to have this respect because he did state, you know, you don't know what it means to be married to someone for over 100 years and to have this veneration for them. You know, they have – it's like even – they may not share that type of intimate. I don't know that they share that type of intimacy anymore because clearly he's getting his kicks uh, elsewhere. Apparently, he's aware of how she can sometimes go off and – you know get her kicks as well he's not blind to what she's doing or what she has done in the past um, but he definitely doesn't want uh, Kovacs to be messing with her maybe he doesn't mind her you know going off and and a seeking um, relations with other men just not him and that was a really good line and a really good scene I liked it
0: yeah, this show—it's—it's—it's yes. it's, so,
1: it's bringing me it's, in.
0: Yeah, I like it a lot. I mean, it's very, very interesting. But yeah, my number one is just kind of the bros before hoes, and
1: <laughs> very so, good. So they—they they have it even in those days.
0: Oh yeah, sure. Yep. So what's yeah. some of the the notes that you have?
1: Ooh. Notes. So we talked a little bit um in about Falconer. She's definitely in my notes. I like how we're getting, we get little pieces of her um every episode. And so I'm really fascinated with her. I want to learn more about her because she was a total badass in this, you know, being a, a woman in in a what you would assume would be like a man's world. So it seems like we've got a little bit more gender equality that just because she's a woman doesn't mean that she's ineffective as a fighter, um, a trainer and a leader. So I really, really like that. And I like you know, what she was telling them about uh, the sleeve as a tool. I control it and use it. How she was talking to Kovac about gathering a pack, making them loyal, even if it means that they're expendable. So I'm, I'm excited to see more of her. I think we're just going to keep getting little pieces of her. I hope we eventually get a full story or that, you know, enough pieces come together to create that story because I really I really like her. I liked that we had... I think there's been a couple... Um, in other episodes, the other two episodes that we've had so far, a couple of little funny lines or interactions, but I think this episode we had a few more. So I really like that. Like interactions between Kovach and Elliot, Kovach and Poe. I thought the banter back and forth was really, um, cute. If you want to say cute. Um, I did, you mentioned already in the entertainment of the evening, they were eating this tiger. Mm. I'm, just going to go on record. I had a huge problem with it. <laughs> just,
0: yeah, I I mean, f- <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to try a lot of stuff, but feline just, I don't think that would taste very good.
1: You know, I mean, I thought we hadn't even gotten to the fighting yet at the evening. So this, you see this tiger on this. And at first I thought it was like ornamentation, like presentation for this mm banquet like I thought that was bad enough because all you see is it kind of pans up to the tiger head and I was like what the hell and then I was like what I was like I don't like that and then they show you the shot that it looks like yeah they're like a like when they do the hog roast um, and the big pig roast or whatever I can't do that either I can't eat anything with a face I don't want it looking at me and I especially cannot eat it. Look, I'm an animal lover, and I know I've said that repeatedly, and I'll say it again. I just had a huge, huge problem with this. I mean, are they not almost extinct anymore in this world? Because they're almost extinct right now. So, Yeah,
0: I mean, with cloning, though, I mean, they could probably just keep bringing them back.
1: (sighs) I don't care. It's wrong, and I don't care. I'm just going to say it. Usually, I try to see other points of view and respect beliefs and cultures, but this time, just no. No, it's wrong. I don't like it, and that's all I'm going to say about it. I don't like it. Um I like when Bancroft, he's describing spending his time in a whorehouse as purchased sexual release. (laughs) (laughs) That's very interesting writing. Um, We mentioned a little bit earlier about respect for life. Bancroft says that he never took a life um, because the stack survives and he gives them new sleeves. So this is like consensual. You know, it's like he gets that consent from this person before he kills them. He's like, you know, if you let me do this, I'll upgrade your sleeve, you know? So it's consensual because they don't really die. They just get upgraded to a new sleeve, but it's just like, it's so hard, I guess, for us, for us in the time in the world that we live in to relate to, at least for me, uh, that death, you know, doesn't mean much to them, at least for most of those folks in that world, as long as you can afford to get a new sleeve, death is nothing. Um, We also saw the one last note that I have about this party and the interesting things that you were supposed to bring to the party. What did you think about that rapist and murderer that was downloaded into a snake?
0: Yeah, I was, I mean, again, that's kind of like, you kind of like, oh, well, he deserves it. But then again, it's kind of like where you look at, um, you know, different Black Mirror episodes where like the bad person's kind of like stuck in this, you know, loop or whatever Mm -hmm. and she kind of talked about where she tried to bring him back and all he did was lay on the floor so she put him into a snake and at first i mean this is a creepy kind of universe i thought she was going to say like she was using it for sexual things Mm -hmm. which i'm glad she didn't because like (laughs) seeing bancroft mrs bancroft as you know, the daughter Bancroft banging somebody in Mrs. Bancroft's body, that's too much. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't want to see any kind of – and I hate snakes to begin with, so there's Amen. nothing sexy about snakes. No. But, I mean, it just kind of shows, you know, again, it's, it's you know, these wealthier people who have unlimited funds – in this world and they can essentially basically, you know, tr- not really trick, but be like, Hey, I'm going to, Oh, great example was the, the black museum. You know, it's mm-hmm. like you basically trick somebody into signing a contract or where they, they're kind of at a point where they can't do anything. It's like, Hey, guess what? You're stuck in a snake for the rest of your existence.
1: Right. Read the fine print folks. Yes. Um, well, and I thought that it was, you know, it just kind of shows how these these myths just treat everyone else like they're playthings. she yeah. was treating this guy he was a rapist and a murderer and she saved him from being erased, which I'm guessing is similar to like being put to death in this world how we put you know folks who are on death row we put them to death that erasure that she says sounds like that's kind of what that is like you're just your your digital consciousness is going to be completely wiped out therefore you're going to die so she rescues him, uploads him into this snake as like, well, you're my plaything now. You should have read the fine print because she somehow got his consent. He just didn't read it thoroughly to know that he was going to be downloaded into a snake. It drove him mad. That's why she couldn't upload him into another sleeve because after being in a snake, it drove him mad because like our consciousness, our intellect, because obviously we're, we are smarter than snakes. So, you know, downloading a person into the form of a snake was enough to drive him mad. And it's like, isn't that kind of like cruel and unusual punishment, you know, that he would have probably just been better off being erased instead of being in this um, madness now that he's a snake. So, and then like, you know, Bancroft treats Kovach like a toy, like it's his mm. toy. He's like, oh, here's my thing for the night. I bring you the last envoy. You know, um, it's just like everyone underneath them are all these playthings, And it was just, I just thought that was really interesting. So what kind of notes did you have?
0: So one of the main notes I had, I love that as, show, as Kovac shows up to this party, he's carrying his pink bag. That it had <laughs> a very, that? <laughs> yeah, it had a very like uh, Deadpool feel to me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, I hope they don't get too crazy with the one liners. But, you know, as he shows up, they scan it. It's like the, the guards like, dude, what the fuck are you bringing a gun for here? The invitation said no weapons. And he's like, well, I would have left it in the car, but I don't trust this neighborhood. I know. <laughs> um, as uh, Ortega was walking around, there was a shit ton of stairs in this place. Mm-hmm. You see, like they kind of a pan, and I don't know if it goes all the way to the bottom, like to the ground level, or like where that cuts off with. But this house had a crap ton of stairs. Yeah, um, they're rich,
1: don't they have elevators or escalators yeah, or something? I don't think so
0: <laughs> maybe that's what they make the help go up and down, right? Um, and the last part is we get a little extra stuff on the falling body. So they could talk about like how the the mom found it, but Ortega's not really investigating. Bancroft's death at this party. She's investigating this Mary Lou, who's the mm-hmm. fallen angel body. Right. Um, you know, so he's she's using her uh, partner to, like, remote scan the cars that are coming in. And she's just, she's trying to figure out, okay, one of these people had to be the one to do it because she fell from such a high, like, spot that it had to be one of these cloud people. So I'm kind of curious, like, now we've got, like, two stories kind of going and two investigations where Ortega has hers and Bancroft has his. So I'm kind of curious if they'll start to um kind of you know start coming together and you know lead us into you know our big climax
1: mm-hmm. you can't help but think that a lot of this we don't know or at least i know i don't know how yet um how, it seems like it's going to come somehow all be related and tied together
0: yeah you, you know, would this, think i mean tv shows don't let us like have things that are isolated usually usually it's got to be some kind of big overarching thing but maybe maybe not maybe they'll be maybe not
1: this could be different. I, I do like this show that it's, you know, we're getting, it's, it's still very mysterious, still makes you question things and um, I, I like it. It's definitely intriguing, that's for sure. So good notes. Do you have any other notes?
0: Nope. That was my last note. Sweet.
1: Sweet. Well, since we've covered our top five and covered our notes, I think we've covered that episode pretty well. We could probably talk a whole lot more on it because I, I was really entertained by this this episode. I mean, some of it was cringeworthy as far as the fighting, but we could probably talk a lot more about it. Um, so it's time for the news. So one piece of news that we have for this week, um, it's some Stranger Things news. And for anyone who isn't You know, aware that yes, we are a Stranger Things uh, podcast for the most part. Um, That is our main thing, but we've ventured into other things. So um, the news for this week is for Stranger Things. This is from AV Club. Dot com it says the duffer brothers may need to venture outside of hawkins indiana as part of their netflix deal but they're not too busy for more stranger things after reports began to circulate that the executive producers would hand over control for the third season of the show netflix quickly moved to quash those rumors via twitter on tuesday um movie phone cited sources that claimed Matt and Ross Duffer would contribute scripts to Stranger Things 4 which we must note has not officially been ordered yet but would otherwise step back from the day-to-day for Stranger Things 3 naturally this dismayed a lot of viewers but as Netflix has clearly stated the Duffer brothers aren't going anywhere so if you've seen those rumors they are not
0: true Oh, well, it sounds like they may have some different writers on there. So, I mean, hey, I've got tons of experience <laughs> on my laptop. So, give me a call, Duffer Brothers.
1: Call us, call us. We're available, right? <laughs>
0: Why do you keep calling it Steve the D? <laughs>
1: exactly. You just don't. You don't get anything better than Steve the D and um. Oh, what's his name? Mike's dad.
0: Oh, fucking, fucking Ted.
1: Ted. <laughs> <laughs> You don't get any better than that, folks. And, uh, you know, I'm not that much on writing, but I'm a really good consultant on the <laughs> 80s. Hit me up. I lived it. I'll help you. Uh, so, anyway, we're going to move on to letters from the Raven Hotel. Car, car. Nevermore. Oh, this is our listener feedback. This is one of my favorite portions. So, Sean, why don't you start us off with the first one?
0: All right, well, our first one comes from Steve. So, I was not intimidated by Bancroft's exposure. This episode felt like a noir detective thriller, most of all the episodes so far. Very cool seeing Bones actress Tamara. Oh, shoot, sorry. Very cool seeing Bones actress Tamara Taylor. Kovacs' parents were a match made in hell. Nice to see Kovacs carrying the bag from episode one. That Fletchlit gun was cool. Love the use of voiceover. It seems that there are plenty of sleeves for anyone with the money. Question Where was the daughter's sleeve in the mother's stack?
1: Good question.
0: Yeah, that is. Uh, oh, apparently, I wonder if it just oh, did he bury it or because somehow he had to find it and get the uh the stack back.
1: I, I don't know, but uh, do they they don't have extra sleeves lying around their house? I'm guessing it sounds like you <laughs> have to go to this facility to get re sleeved so. Yeah, where was her mother's stack? Do they... Is is it sitting on a charger somewhere? I mean, do they...
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's got plugged into an iPad.
1: Is it, like, sitting on, you know, those really super cool, like, just charging pads? You can just set your phone on it and it charges. (laughs) Is it sitting on, like, a charging station (laughs) somewhere?
0: Uh, So She's at 20%, but she takes up a lot of energy, and she's, like, a second generation, so it's, you know, 20% only lasts, like, 10 minutes.
1: I don't know. That is so strange. Um... Yeah, that's a really good question there, Steve. I hope, you know, I feel like we we get p- bits and pieces um every every episode we get a little bit more insight to to the world and what it means, so maybe we'll get those quest- or you know those answers to those questions later, and maybe we won't. I don't know. Um next up we have an email um for this episode or for maybe the previous episode. It says, hello, strange indeed people. In the podcast on season one, episode two, I noticed that you thought meth was a reference to the drug and is similar to the way we can use bad to really mean good. Meth is actually short for methicillin Oh, God, I'm sorry. I'm totally butchering that. Who lived to be over 900 years old in the Bible. You may have already received mail that clarified this, but if not, here you go. Mark.
0: Oh, that's a pretty cool little callback. Because, I mean, they like in this episode, they're talking about how they're the gods and the God mm-hmm. is dead. Uh, so it's kind of interesting. And there's already been some religious, uh, you know, kind of aspects to the series. So that's that's kind of a cool callback.
1: That is a really cool callback. And and I didn't catch that at first. I mean, whenever I read this, I thought, oh, yes. Okay. I remember that story. Uh, It wasn't... I forgot until it was brought to my attention. But I don't know... I don't know if I really meant that the word meth was in reference to the drug. I was just stating how it was kind of interesting how they were using the name or like the word meth and we reference it as something bad, but in this world, it's kind of good. So I don't know if I really kind of meant it in that way, but I totally get what you mean, Mark. Thank you so much for writing in. Thank you, Steve. Thanks to everyone who writes in and contributes to feedback. Um, I always appreciate everyone's insight and correcting me if I'm wrong, um, which happens quite a lot, I admit. Uh, so thanks guys for writing in and taking the time. I appreciate it.
0: Yep. Thanks everybody. All right, so next week, we will be covering the fourth episode from Altered Carbon titled Force of Evil. The description for this episode is, tortured by his captor, Kovacs taps into his envoy training to survive. Ortega springs a surprise on our family for Dia de los Muertos.
1: Ooh, what's Dia de los Muertos? Isn't
0: that Day of the Dead?
1: Oh, good. See, if it's not Cinco de Mayo, I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't-
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if, I don't think there's as much drinking on Day of the Dead you yeah, could be see, wrong but Cinco de Mayo there's a lot of drinking
1: <laughs> I am gonna say that's why I know what it is if it's not like Margarita Day then I don't know what the hell it is and I don't know Spanish <laughs> I don't mean that as an insult I just generally don't know what it is yeah you're right Dia de los Muertos Day of the Dead that's kind of cool I like that I like their parades
0: oh yeah they do. Cool. I was down in uh, when I went to uh, Mexico for our trip we went down during Halloween and they had a big like thing where they're walking around in their own costumes and stuff it was really mm-hmm. really cool I
1: think it's kind of a cool tradition. I'm no expert because I'm not uh, Latino and I don't have Latino family but I've you know I, I I, just the little exposure that I've seen of it I think it's really cool it's like paying respect to the dead right so yeah I think it's
0: like the one day they can come back or something like that
1: yeah I think that's kind of a cool tradition and if I'm wrong I'm sorry if I've offended anyone by that I don't mean any offense because I really don't know um, like I said if it's not Cinco de Mayo I don't know what the hell it is <laughs> just hand me a margarita and tell me to shut up um, <laughs> Um, we're really excited that you choose a sleeve with us, and until then, you can follow us on Twitter at StrangetCast.
0: You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash and you can check us out on Instagram at strange underscore indeed underscore pod. You can
1: email us at StrangerThingsCastPod at gmail.com, and you can also find us on the TV Time app.
0: You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts like The Walking Dead cast, which has come back for season 8B at podcastica.com. Go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed or any other great podcastica podcast on Apple Podcast.
1: Heck yeah. So glad to have The Dead cast back for premiere of uh, the second half of Walking Dead. Uh, and also speaking of podcasts... Make sure to check out Sean in his other podcast, The Language of Bromance, that comes out every Sunday. Sean, what do you got coming up on Language of Bromance?
0: Yeah. So here in a few weeks, we'll be celebrating our 200th episode, and Rima and Jason have both said, hey, we'll jump on to celebrate 200 episodes, 200 straight weeks of Language of Bromance. Amazing. And what we're gonna, yeah. And what we're going to do to celebrate, uh, to take some kind of uh, inspiration from the Walking Dead po- Patreon group. We are going to let you guys ask us any question you want. So there's going to be four of us. It'll be me, Richard, Rima and Jason asking any question you want. So these can be personal questions, they can be as R-rated as you want. And you know, <laughs> basically what I'm saying is if you ever want to find out if Richard and I have made out, yeah, you can ask that question. All you have to do is ask.
1: That uh, that's my question. <laughs> so just be ready for that one.
0: Yep. So if you want to join us uh, to be part of that Email us your questions at eatthebeaver at languageabromance.com. You can send us uh, messages on Facebook. It's www.facebook.com slash bromance, Or you can tweet us at languageabro And we'll get all those together. So try to get those to us by this April 7th so we can get them all grouped together and get it ready for our big 200th episode.
1: I don't know if I'm excited or scared <laughs> by this. But I'm, 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 I'm leaning towards excited.
0: I'm working so, on rules. I think you can only pass like three times. So I'll try to put like try to put a good mixture in there so that they can oh, ask like the really inappropriate questions at the end.
1: Are we gonna get like those little beeper buttons? Like pass, <laughs> pass, pass. <laughs> 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 next question, please.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, that's our show, episode twenty-seven in a lonely place.
1: And Until th- next time, I'm Rima.
0: And I'm Sean.
1: And Mark Wesley is strange indeed.
0: Let's start by being very clear with one another, shall I? Stay away from my wife. So you're spying on her? I don't need to spy on her. And when you've been married to the same woman for over a hundred years, you know what she does and you know what she can't. Why do you care what your wife does in her spare time, considering what you're doing in yours? Your limited life experience cannot possibly encompass what it is to love another person for over a hundred years. You achieve something close to veneration. How does one match such respect with the basest desires of the flesh? So you love your wife too much to fuck her. I certainly love my wife too much to let you fuck up. Now, do you have anything to report on your investigations tonight? No. Great part of them. Thanks.